1: it's Roxanne Durhage. Thanks for tuning in again today with uh, To Authentic Living with Roxanne. Um, I have a special, I would say, a friend now, um, Mike Pagan, um, who I met um, in Ireland, goodness, it's, it's almost a year now, yeah, uh, at uh, the uh, Global Speakers uh, um, annual event, which was I think one of the best events I'd ever been to, and uh, we were able to kind of chat a bit, really briefly, but recognize that we uh, talk about mental in, in health and mental wealth, like Mike will talk about, and it was just an area that uh, we both had in common. So we've been chatting ever since, and we have a uh, some colleagues that meet. Uh, and so, I'll tell you a little bit about Mike and a little bit about what we're going to chat about today. So. His topic is building mental wealth, and so looking at mental wealth uh, from a perspective of what are the things that you bring with you and what do you need to, to gain um, that kind of bolstering to be uh, optimally functioning. He is a coach. He has uh, written four books. He's a keynote speaker, and um, he starts his coaching se- sessions with a blank page which I I love that perspective when I when I read that in your bio Mike so Mike thanks so much for joining us today
0: no oh, pleasure pleasure to be here I'm, I'm, it's, it's good to be uh on the other side of this interview environment where it's kind of right now over to you you talk oh, scary <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and I've been enjoying uh you know interviewing some of our colleagues that I've met since uh I've, I've met you so it's been uh' It's been quite uh, fascinating to get different uh, perspectives and just different people coming forward. So let's let's talk a little bit about what got you in dealing with mental mental health. Like what what was kind of your path that made you pick that as a topic to focus on?
0: It it, it was an interesting uh, setup because I had the privilege of working with uh, professional sportsmen and women transitioning to their life after their career in sport and uh, a, a lot of these individuals uh, incredible athletes incredible in everything they did they're, they're striving for performance and perfection and everything else but all of them had this one thing in common and that was the guillotine moment that came down at the end of their careers whether that be through uh, loss of form loss of uh, function or uh, being dropped whatever it happened to be and and that at that point, there were 35 people potentially in their support network, keeping them on the pitch in the pool or on the track yesterday. And none of them are fit for purpose for the way forward now because they're not needed. And it, these guys then hit this massive brick wall of isolation and loss and direction. Um, and what I started to understand and research was the fact that actually that transition space happens for all of us. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many times where we feel isolated at different points. Be that as the chief exec of a multi-million dollar business, or as a solopreneur um, selling uh, products that you've created in your garage, and everything in between. And 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 it was just that that process of understanding that we need to invest in ourselves, in a, in our strength of our mind, and the strength of our well being, and our body, and our head, and everything else around that. So, so mental wealth became the sort of the yin to the yang of mental health because uh, mm-hmm. it's it's proactively investing in, and supporting and getting the right people around you rather than the other side where we suddenly find ourselves isolated with a team or support that are not fit for purpose and can then take us down a negative path into a negative spiral of poor mental health. So that so hence it becomes the yin to the yang.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think. In the West, um, we often wait till something's broken Mm. to address it. Um, and you know, Eastern, a lot of Eastern philosophies will talk about, um, you know, trying to find that connection or that solitude or, or kind of a combination of both, but, uh, um, in the corporate world here, and I'm sure as likewise in Europe, uh, you know, you might know someone is potentially, let's say say they've gone through something, like you're talking about the sportsmen, they were going through transitions. So they had to deal with a lot of loss. Um, They had to do with the fact that maybe they didn't get the accolades anymore of being on the pitch or or doing wherever they were being. Um, And they were very, very structured in that, you know, and and very ultimately very good at what they do. But then they go through that loss and Mm. potentially supports that they perceive that would be good for them I would assume then eventually becomes let's well, not working so well for me now um and then they have to a- adjust so I-, I think a lot of times in companies here we're waiting for until somebody comes forward uh to-, to get help versus kind of um you know proactively thinking what might that person need is that what you saw a lot with the
0: Sports yeah, it's, 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 it's that it's that element of structured discipline, focus, chunk, chunk, chunk. You know what you've got to do. Uh, you talk to many sports people and they say, I knew what I was going to eat when I was going to eat and how I was going to eat for 20 years. Uh, and then suddenly it that was gone. And it, but then then look at the transition space where you look at a, a student moving from schools to colleges, from colleges into the first job, to a graduate program, to buying their first property. Uh, and so on. The, these transitions that are constantly going on, where if we haven't got good people around us, proactive people holding us accountable, asking better questions than we can of ourselves, then we make more mistakes. And as we make more mistakes, then that can have a negative effect on, on, on our well being and how we go forward. And I I, I know for exa- a specific example, I've made my greatest errors in business and I've been running my own business for over 20 years now, when I've not, when I just haven't taken that independent piece of advice from somebody that I've empowered to I've given permission to, to turn around and say, Mike, that's not such a good idea. Um, or sort of, have you considered it this way around? Uh, and that, and when we don't have people in our group around it, I mean, call it an inner sanctum. I call it a mental wealth team. It's it's what, whatever language, what what that core of people who ask better questions of you than we we do of ourselves or they're questions that we are too scared to ask ourselves because we know what the answer will be. So we want to avoid it.
1: Or maybe, maybe we ask people certain questions because we know how they're going to answer it because that keeps us in our comfort zone sometimes as well.
0: Yes, yeah, it just reinforces that. that it's, it's an echo chamber. Like the, like the like the algorithms on social media. Yes, of course, it's right, because 47 other people have said it. But that's the algorithm just feeding me the same stuff. And so, some of the time we need that independent, that extra uh, set of lenses on it that are going to turn around and say, "Nah, you, th- th- that's not right for you. But that only happens when we empower people and give people permission when they're close enough.
1: So that's, this brings a concept of vulnerability. Like, I mean, and mm-hmm. we know that's the core thing. A lot of us, you know, um, maybe early on learned implicitly or explicitly, well, you don't share too much kind of outside of the family or you're only sharing enough so that, you know, you know, we don't look bad or so. A lot of people I would say, and I, you know, in kind of my work um, as a psychologist is a lot of people kind of go, you know, kind of. Um, One, you know, I remember a family saying um, they had a motto (laughs) um, that was like, nothing breaks us. Mm, That they have this, you know, regardless, you could be losing limbs and (laughs) lots of different things, but you never, never go outside of the family to share. So when you kind of think about people that you work with, Mike, um, how do they kind of look at at connection, like if they're coming from a space of, well, oh, I, we mean, don't, right. you know, that means I'm weak. If I need you, I, I'm weak, right? Like, I mean, if I'm like, I mean, I've gone through a separation and um, different things, raised my son on my own. And I remember uh, when I was going through that, and, uh, you know, I was always the one because maybe potentially the role I played, I was the one that cared for others. And what happened is my friends even said to me, they waited to see what I would do. Mm. just to and see it, if I if I could actually come to them because they knew I needed it. and of course I was like, okay, where are you? <laughs> where are my troops? I need everybody because I'm, like, I'm spending what my what whole time
0: giving yeah. yeah you're giving fixing and supporting everybody else but not looking after number one and it's right it, w- w- what I what I heard there was that that the whole thing of vulnerability and this is isolation in the boardroom it's a classic example. Uh, whether you're a C-suite executive or a senior management, whatever it is, you can't tell the stakeholders above you. You don't know the answer. You're not going to share with your co-directors or colleagues that you're not sure what to do next, because that might get used against you at a future date when it comes to promotions. Your husband or wife hasn't got a clue what you do anyway, but they'll, they've will they got your back. Uh, your friends at the school gate, at the sports club in the other environment that you go to outside of work will always say, Go for it, Mike, because you always land on your feet because that's what you want them to say. And that's how. And you certainly can't share with an employee or a direct line uh, that you don't know which way to go forward. And so this creates this isolation within the boardroom, within the uh, C-suite, within work. Uh, and it doesn't matter the size of the organization. There could be 50 employees. There could be 50,000 employees. That isolation piece plays out across the board. And therefore, vulnerability. Oh, well, I can't do that. Uh, the sports people can't show there's any vulnerability, and and part of the, the one of the benefits I believe of um, what's come out of the years of COVID is the sort of the evolution, the evolving of this is no longer soft, fluffy stuff that we need to ignore or can ignore. We need to be investing proactively. The next generations, Gen Z and millennials, will not work for organisations that don't care. Right. Uh, leadership across the western world still has some very very unique mature people as in years uh, that is not fit for purpose for the way forward they Mm -hmm. will move on over the next few years
1: and then hopefully
0: he says clutching they'll be replaced by more dynamic more people that are involved that will work and understand and get with it but but the, there's, a, there's an extra element that we do really need to be aware of here, and this is unintentional isolation. And that that comes from uh, the hybrid working environment. So uh, three and two, two and three days a week working from home. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be one of those 20-somethings, 30-somethings that are working from your parents' spare bedroom mm-hmm. with a, a fluffy slippers on, Netflix on on the second screen over here, Uh, cat on the bed next to you mum popping in every 40 minutes with a cup of tea to make sure you're okay that's not a professional mindset that's not an environment where you're going to learn via osmosis from the colleagues around you that's where you're going to if it's not working going to go down a negative spiral Mm
1: -hmm. so so
0: whilst I uh, the hybrid working is here to stay Uh, And there are certain industries where clearly it it can't work. I was at the dentist this morning. Clearly, that can't work in a hybrid world. (laughs) Just send your teeth in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but it's so there's, there's elements where the hybrid won't go. But we really need to be aware of exactly what we're doing here to sort of prevent people being cut off, cut adrift, or not seeing what's happening. And then them not being comfortable or strong enough in that environment to say, I need some help, but it's not because I'm weak. I just need better help.
1: Right. And I, I think, you know, to your point, like I when I was in corporate, I I remember um I was just starting, I was in my 20s, like, so I was like I had an assistant. So I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna share kind of I manage a, a manager portfolio of companies. And you know, at that point, and this is how Siloed, you really were right. So here I was, and I, w- I would get paid commissions on the profitabilities of the account. I've got an executive assistant, so I'm running the numbers and I'm kind of saying to her, I want you to double check the math, right? Just to make sure I'm on. And you know, we're and I got reprimanded by my superiors because I was being so transparent with my assistant about the commissions that were payable. And I'm like, okay, so you give me an assistant. And this is you know obviously administrative work it's checking it's math checking and mm. I'm using her because I shouldn't be sitting there trying to you know do uh, the arithmetic that may take me longer she could do it quicker and I got told that I needed to keep that private because in fact the assistant should know um, the level of pay that we would get on profitable accounts and I'm like and I didn't I didn't think I was stepping into anything, but I was. Rep- so it's interesting. Right. Because you're right. Trust that you have that-
0: and empowerment yeah. of staff. If you don't trust the staff, how can you possibly expect them to be fully committed, fully engaged, fully working? Um, it, it, that, that conversation, it, that, that's so sad, but that's how it was a few years ago and, but, and still is in certain places.
1: Absolutely. So now. So two things, Mike, that I think is interesting. I think you're right. As we're transitioning out, we're going to have, you know, the newer generations keeping the older, let's use use the older guard accountable. So there's going to be a bit of friction till we find mm-hmm. that right combination. But in the interim, we have hybrid. Mm-hmm. We have people that are, you know, um, going to jump ship. Quickly, if if they re- realize that they're working for companies that are misaligned, and in the interim, you're, you know, your your human capital, we know, is your biggest asset. So, what what is it that what is it that companies aware companies are doing around um, mental health that you that you're working with versus well, the ones One,
0: that one that of the things I, I yeah. one of the things I I, I love talking about is uh, we. we People have gotten used to this terminology of corporate social responsibility, CSR. Uh, what are we doing to give back? What are we doing to it? Well, I'm referring to HSR, human social responsibility, because it's that framework. It's that format of, OK, what are we doing to proactively invest and support our staff? What are we doing to proactively invest in and work with it? And what, one of the key areas, I believe, is and um, we shouldn't need permission to do this. It's the key point, but we do personally, and that is permission to make ourselves number one. Mm-hmm. So when we when we put ourselves as number one in our world, uh, that means uh, being positively selfish, because the wonderful language you've got is, is, is selfish is one of those things when we're children. Don't be selfish, share your toys. Yeah, so selfish is a bad word. We're not allowed to do that, but actually, in in my family, I've always jokingly been number six. Because uh, there's a, my, my wife, three children and a dog, and they're all above me. Yeah. And uh, last Christmas, we had eight puppies. So I was actually number 14. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but joking aside, it's, it that is the reality. When we put ourselves number one, then we are able to be fit for purpose for when other people need to draw on our energy. There's enough stories it for, uh, from every religion out there about how we have to fill our, our cup first. Otherwise, we can't uh, help others. But we don't do it naturally. We spend the whole time looking and helping and fixing. And when we start looking uh, through the minds of, of self-care, of getting coaches support, getting professional networks around us and putting peer support groups, mastermind groups together, then that changes the game. Uh, and, and self-care is comes in so many different ways, from, from mindfulness and meditation to uh, activities to just taking time out and pressing that pause button. Um, and we don't we're rubbish at pressing pause We we need to press pause so that we are able to recharge reboot recondition uh it, it doesn't work without it
1: yeah absolutely and i think you know even um in getting a bit older like today i know i have a 12 hour day so what i did is i went to hot yoga at 7 30 right because i know that i ha- you know what i mean and when you're younger you're not you know you're not you're doing it but you're kind of you can be a bit more haphazard, I would even say. But as you're starting to get older, you're like, you know, geez, if I keep up this by Friday, I'm gonna be, you know, flat out, you know, just kind of needing to veg. So I think it's it's interesting, right? Like you're so right, we do. And and I've gone done done it probably, where I've like kind of looked at the end of the week going, What happened? Right. Mm-hmm. And now um I'm kind of like, Okay, well, I need to do things differently and I think you're right it's that word selfish um it, it has such a negative connotation but it in really what you're saying to people is put yourself first so you can you have something in your cup to be able to help others
0: yeah um, definitely. and
1: in my in my new book I talk a lot about that with ROR I talk about the leader knowing Absolutely. him Absolutely, get those right?
0: relationships like, returning definitely yeah
1: like like how do you know what do you like when you're stressed um, how do you how do you communicate? How what's your decision making like? Um, you know how is what what kind of micro breaks do you take through the day? Um, and you know if you don't, what do you like? And if you do, what do you what do you do differently so that they can become more connected to themselves to look at uh, oh, I'm not so good at this and I'm not so good, but I'm pretty good at this this and this, but I have to work on this because if they bring their best versions of themselves to work the concentric circles that get connected um, to the people around them, the benefit is that people are, you're able to see what Mike's doing. You're able to, even if you're on a screen, you're able to kind of intuit a little bit better what's going on and be able to connect versus kind of, you know, you're in that 747 or uh, 30,000 feet. And you're not dipping down just to see, because we know a lot of leaders, they have that type of personality um, that they can, you know, withstand a lot um and they sometimes are remiss in kind of thinking okay what am i doing that might be affecting people until things are a little bit too late we know that with mental health with uh, some a, a classic
0: children. one I, I share with you, you you see the four pictures up above and around my head at the moment uh, yes when, when i go to conferences um i will always where possible it's a it's a, it's a it's a rule of thumb rather than rule of life. <laughs> uh, but take an extra day afterwards to decompress because if you when when you're at conferences, you at your events, they're very intense. They're talking to lots of people uh, performing main stage, delivering your your events, ha- having the whole setup. to uh, so, so the, the the pictures here are just random ones whilst I'm out walking. Uh, the, a couple of them were from Vancouver. The, the happiness statues, the laughter statues, they're, they're brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. Other ones were from Rawclaw in Poland. Uh, and they're just these little dwarfs that are sort of placed all around the city. There's 300 of them. There's a wonderful story attached to and everything else. But but just from that sort of feel good, decompress and look after number one. Um, it's a great way so that when I return home uh, to my family, then I am in a different space because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be the family Mike rather than the working mic. Um, and then when you go back into work the next day, you are then in the in the uh, mindset and the space rather than turning up with your eyes hanging down here, bloodshot and fatigued and everything going wrong. And that makes such a difference for me. Um, but it's, it's a simple one. And it does involve me being uh, proactively giving myself permission to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's necessary for looking after our self-care so that we're fit for purpose.
1: Uh, and I absolutely and this is the stuff that I you know obviously when I coach or or train I'm talking about those things consistently how are you taking responsibility for your mental well-being so that Mm -hmm. you can uh, and if you're not having a good week or something's going on in your life to be able to be vulnerable enough so to share not like everything but at least for people to understand that you're going through some stuff and maybe for them to have grace just like you would expect you know, the other way around. So I think that whole element of shoulder to shoulder leading where um, if you do step into it and we, you know, leaders do often, and I was a leader in many positions when I did, but yeah. to go back to the person and say, you know, I realized I was a little bit um, abrupt there, or maybe I was a little bit too direct and kind of down the middle versus kind of slowing. And I it didn't feel so good for me. I'm so sorry about that. You know, it's been one of those weeks or so whatever. So to be able to you know, intuit what you're feeling and, you know, and then doing something about it. And then that other person says, thinks, wow, Mike was able to do that. It's so nice to know that, you know, he's just like me, right? And yeah. when you get people feeling like that, what do they want? They, the relatability, we all want to, I think for the most part, uh, do a good job um, because it, it's kind of, you know, where we spend most of our time. So I think that, uh, you know, that kindness from leadership is an element that I I talk a fair amount about
0: right like we we, we always try to portray ourselves as invincible having all the answers and everything else like that but perfect Peter has no friends because nobody can relate to him right so so as a leader if you're portraying this badge of perfection and everything is squeaky and so on Then that make you can become aloof. You can become unapproachable. You can become well. They've got it all. So what? What? What can I? So I'm not going to. I'm not going to go to them with my problems because they won't have time for it. And and so, as you say, it's like it's that sense of humanity, just sharing that scope. So, oh, there's a reason. Yeah, I can talk to you.
1: So tell me if there's leadership teams or there's leaders listening. or someone even frontline, and they're thinking, we are so isolated. So let's say, let's start at the top and say, well, what kind of guidance would you give a leader that's thinking, I think we're we're in a pretty disconnected environment? What are some of the things, maybe three steps that they could potentially, um, you know, think about implementing or some things for them to consider about um, kind of you're not gonna to connect tomorrow, but to, to kind of get towards uh, the element of connection with, with your staff.
0: Okay, the, the, the first step there is understanding who's in that support network and if the support networks actually exist. Um, and the, the, there's a simple technique I will use where people subjectively score their network as to whether or not they okay. are actually uh, close or, or, or part of their inner sanctum or they're just a name in a database. Yeah, it's, a, it's a WhatsApp number. That's all it is. They're not close. Uh, so it's understanding how isolated that is, because certain people will suddenly realize, actually, there's nobody in my inner sanctum that I'm happy to be open, honest, vulnerable, and mentally naked with. And that, that therein lies the key part of it, because we if we're like that, then there's people that we truly trust. And some of those are in our friendship networks, but others are those in our professional networks. So it's uh, it's knowing that. The, the next step is understanding what are people doing for themselves in the world of self-care?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, have we got a culture? Have we got an environment where people feel good about doing other things? Or is it very much work to rule? And a classic example of that, my daughter, uh, a, 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 a millennial, working in a corporate organization uh, as a student. So on her year placement as a student and the computer system, uh, you have to be, Uh, working the whole time if after 15 minutes the mouse hasn't moved it automatically logs you off which therefore the company then thinks that this person isn't working she's a 22 year old young lady that's the work environment she's got and she's in her student house because it's hybrid working she's a robotics and mechanical engineering student so she designed a robot to move her mouse every 12 minutes so um, it's a sad story, but it's a funny but it's story. Brilliant, it's,
1: but it's brilliant
0: as well. <laughs> and it's kind of, but hold on a second, that's wrong. And and whilst, so that's an extreme version of where uh, organizations in the hybrid world are trying to keep control and not in power. Um, and so from a leadership perspective, leaders listening to this and understanding, hold on a second, we do stupid stuff like that. We do stuff like that that really doesn't embrace a culture of trust, empowerment, and love. Uh, we need to focus on that one. And then the final area, I'd say, is just this, this simple process of pick up the phone. Mm. If, as a leader, as a as a human being, whatever else, if your gut feels says I haven't spoken to Roxanne for a few weeks, I haven't, there's something, just a trigger, do not text them, do not tweet them, do not WhatsApp message them, whatever else pick up the phone if you live close enough geographically go and visit them because you do not know what is going on inside somebody else's world and if there's just that inkling of something we've that you, you get that thing on social media that goes around I'd rather hear from you at three o'clock in the morning than talk about you at your funeral yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, lo- I, lo- I love that I love that because you know it's so much you know the phone now um is, is it's it's the ultimate barrier that people use, right? Um, yeah. to, uh, connect and, you know, just a simple, you know, like this and in my time, you know, it was always about the telephone, right? Like, I mean, I'm better yet, you know, um, it's just kind of running, you know, seeing someone because I, I you know, when I, like I met you in person um, and now I feel like I, you know, obviously I know you, I can see you on screen. Um, see if I had met you on screen, I hadn't met you in person it, I feel differently. so I love and I think it there's nothing that replaces that ability to be able to connect with someone to be able to, to kind of you know see other than just the you know a third of, of who you are just to be able to kind of get to know the person. So I think sometimes it's just going back to those uh, basic things. Mm,
0: so definitely.
1: Um, so definitely know know your level of connection. And if you're not so good at it, why aren't you connected? You know, why aren't certain people on your team? And that probably I would think would be kind of telling for you as well. What areas mm. do you need to work on? So, Mike, for people that are listening and they might want to connect with you, uh, learn about your books or um, coaching or, or speaking, where where can they get a hold of you?
0: Uh, sim- simplest way is either through uh, mikepagan.com. Um, it, it, there's not many pagan surnames out there. It's not because I'm anti-religious. It just is my surname. Uh, so, to so come through on that, all via LinkedIn. Um, I'm 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 very active on LinkedIn, so that's a space where I can always have conversations uh, and see what's going on. If there's ways of collaborating, supporting, and helping, that's uh, that's always part of it. I, and the the one other one on a uh, monthly, we said we would mentioned this uh, yes. on a monthly basis. I do a mental well think tank. Which is it's a non-sales environment. Anybody on there um, is 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 banned from any selling. It's just conversations in a safe space about things that are current in the well-being world, in the mental wealth world. What are people doing to proactively look after themselves better? Where um, if people have got challenges or issues within their work, it's a safe space. Nothing's recorded. Nothing goes anywhere. Um, and that's always the first Friday of the month. Uh, So, if if you're uh, pinging through or talking to me, that might be of interest to some of those listening.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm going to try to jump in on that at one point. So, Mike, thanks so much. So, I'm going to think you know, this is my challenge to myself. I'm going to think about my supports and see what area I might be lacking in um, and see if I can spend some time in quiet to reflect on. You know, if there was a person that I wanted to join my mental health team, um, where might I find them? Like, where yeah. how might I approach them? So, I challenge you to do the same. Try to think: um, who's in your life? Um, what do they do for you? And if there's sometimes an area where you find you're always struggling to get an answer from a different angle, that potentially might show you where a gap exists. So go ahead and try that.
0: Um, Roxanne, just on there, uh, I I wouldn't advocate dumping friendships that you don't think are there. Just look at who's the 2.0. Who's the next version up that's going to help you going forward? Because that friend can still be a friend. Uh, it's, it's, it, this isn't about brutal cutting people off. It's about what is fit for purpose for your way forward. And if you need the next version up, let's have an upgrade.
1: version. You may have evolved past that person. Doesn't mean that they may not be a friend again. But a good point, Mike. Thanks for sharing that. So for everyone, thanks for hanging out with Mike and I. Um, uh, What I would suggest is, if you wanted to know about your relationships, you know that that's the area that I speak on. So if you wanted to know if you're, if you're, how you doing at home or at work. All you do is go to my website, roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz. You do a little quiz. You can do both. We'll send you, we'll analyze that and make some recommendations for you with some next steps. And if you'd like to have a coaching uh, call with me just to check that out, please uh, connect. And I would love to do that. Again, Mike, thanks so much for being here with us. And for everyone, we'll see you again next week.